This is Real Estate for Breakfast podcast, and I am your host, Philip Coover. The Real Estate for Breakfast podcast is a Chicago-centric commercial real estate podcast utilizing attorneys and real estate professionals to create thoughtful commentary on current real estate issues. Today, we have a fun podcast with my good friend Colin Leitner, who is one of our prior guests from episode four. Colin came on to talk about, he is a general counsel of an investment company in Austin, Texas, and they own several bars and restaurants on 6th Street in downtown Austin, Texas. They're also an investor in several commercial real estate development projects. They also have a real estate development company called Matisse Capital, where Colin is um, an important part of that. If you want to hear more about Colin's work on that real estate development aspect, I would encourage you to go back into the archives and listen to that original podcast. Colin was one of our very first guests. And so when we first had him on, he was talking about this lawsuit that had just started a few days before where uh, the Weston was suing one of his restaurants for a noise violation on 6th Street and what that looked like and how the negotiations were playing out in terms of public support, trying to garner public support for the lawsuit, um, and also how to defend against a corporate giant like the Westin pursuing his smaller company. So we have a resolution to that lawsuit, and I've actually got a lot of questions over the past few months from people who wanted to know how that lawsuit was going, how it turned out. So we had Colin call in, and so this is a test run we had Raul Rodriguez, who's an attorney here in our office, sitting on the podcast with me and Colin. It was kind of fun because we were all roommates in law school, and here we are on the podcast talking about litigation strategy as well as some real estate issues, and we also just got to see how this lawsuit was resolved, so we thought when we called Colin, we would record it, put it in the air for everyone to enjoy and to find out how that case was resolved and to think a little bit more about litigation strategy. But it's also a little bit of an experiment because we wanted to see if doing a conference call and doing this remotely would provide a decent sound quality that we can do it again because I know we have a guest coming up who and she is in California, and so she's going to call in, and we wanted to see if this would work for the podcast. We have a lot of exciting guests coming up. Uh, the guest that we're going to have is going to come in to talk about marketing and how real estate practitioners and agents and other professionals can market themselves online and how to have a good strategy for that. And we also have an architect coming in. We have another developer. So we have a few podcasts already recorded, a few more in the works that we're going to record in August. And we're just very excited about quarter three. And we know that you will find it enjoying as well. So I think that you'll find this podcast is a little more fun as we catch up with our good friend Colin on what's going on with uh, his firm down in Austin, Texas. Before we begin, we should mention that this podcast is produced by SATC Solution Center, L3C, the Educational and Development Division of the law firm Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, where I'm an attorney and principal with that firm. And if you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Also, check out our website, realestatebreakfast.com. And please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We really appreciate that. We should also mention that this podcast is produced by SATC Solution Center, L3C, the Educational and Development Division of the law firm Shankanis Tepper Campbell, LTD, 
where I'm a principal and attorney with that firm. Shank Annis Tepper Campbell partners with our clients to provide commercial real estate, business, estate planning, litigation, and insurance law guidance to grow their businesses and protect their assets. Coming up next, real estate for breakfast. Enjoy. All right. Thanks for joining the call. We are um, doing our test run on our first telephone recorded call using Uber conference call. Uh, they're not a sponsor. I just like using their conference call services because they record it. Uh, but I'm honored. Yeah. And so joining me today, we have Raul Rodriguez, who's one of my colleagues here at Shankanis Tepper Campbell. And we have Colin Leitner. Welcome, Colin. Welcome back, I should say. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. So, quick update for our listeners or a refresher. Colin was our third guest. I think it was episode four because Rob from uh, Quattro Development, we did a two-parter. But Colin is the general counsel of an investment company called Dieter Investments uh, down in Austin, Texas. And he's also a commercial real estate developer. And Colin came on and he talked about a number of different subject matters, but one of them was a pending lawsuit between a bar called The Nook and uh, The Weston. It was The Weston, right? That's correct. Uh, all Westons are, are uh, operated independently, but they're, they have a licensing agreement. So it was the, the local and brand new uh, Weston uh, entity uh, here in town that, that built just across the back alley uh, from us. So we had talked about the pending lawsuit and um, give us a, a ref- for those that didn't listen to episode four, although I'd recommend that you go back and listen to it, give us an update or refresher on what that lawsuit was about. And uh, we can't, or I've actually gotten a lot of questions from people who've been like, whatever happened to uh, Colin's lawsuit with the Weston? So we're going <laughs> to give people what they want. We're going to tell them what happened. Very cool, and thanks for having me back on, guys. Um, yeah, the, the refresher is, um, I'll do the dime cent version. Um, it is uh, the Nook Amphitheater is the name of uh, one of our bars down here, and it's in the protected historic 6th Street area of Austin, Texas. And for those of you who have not been here, that's that's kind of the, the rowdy Bourbon Street, Beale Street uh, type area. Um, you know, uh, the street closes down every Friday, Saturday, and and people wander from bar to bar and check out music and drink specials and whatnot. And uh, the Nook is an open-air uh, venue. Uh, you walk into it, and it's open to the sky. Um, and there's there's music and, and revelry going on on a pretty constant basis, especially on the weekends uh, down there. And um, uh, we opened in March 2012, uh, I believe, if I have that correct. And uh, the Weston built behind us a big, beautiful hotel. Uh, about 20 feet behind us, right across the back alley. Um, and about two years ago, I think they may have completed it in, in 2015. Um, and, you know, we're one of probably 100 bars in a three-block uh, area right there. But we are the closest to them, and uh, they they were disturbed by our, our levels of music. Uh, at least they interpreted it as... as specifically our music that they didn't like. Um, uh, you know, there were a couple legal questions about 
Um, are we too loud for the regulatory regime? Um, uh, you know, is the, the noise ordinance being violated? Is our separate uh, noise and outdoor music permit being violated? Um, there was a little bit of um, political gesticulating by uh, a whole bunch of different parties and stakeholders about, you know, where, where this is going. It's a very hot issue here in Austin. Um, but when it got down to it, um, they weren't happy with what they were able to get out of the city in terms of kind of clamping down on us because we, we believed we were very much operating uh, within the bounds of the law. And uh, so they sued us for private nuisance uh, just before, uh, right around Christmas of last year, 2016. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that your listeners are probably a fairly sophisticated audience, but um, you know, private nuisance uh, doesn't rely on the, the regulatory regime. It's it's a diminution of value of, or interference with the value of a property by by another's use of property. It's I guess the quickest and easiest way to explain that. So they were essentially saying that our use of our property was unfairly infringing, and 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 causing damage to them and their their use of their property. Um, Lots of countervailing arguments. Was it our noise that was actually impacting them, or were we just part of part of the overall noise that they built next to uh, them coming to the nuisance? Is also something that uh, several jurisdictions um, give a lot of weight to. Um, you know, also there were there were some uh, factual attributes to the case where they came and and um, listened to our music before they built, did engineering reports, and then and then uh, didn't build to the spec that other hotels in the area have done so when they've come to, to the similar type of uh, uh, entertainment districts. So there were lots of you know, cross-cutting issues, um, uh, very factually difficult um, and, and so cheap, really cheap science and engineering. Like, yeah, so that, I mean, that's okay. I can say it. You don't yeah, have I mean to. that that's what I that's what I think probably happened. Um that's what I think probably happened. And you know, again, I, like I said in my first um episode with you guys, I, I, I feel for them. They they were trying to develop and make a good decision and um it's not always easy to know where to, to make cuts, but I think they cheaped out on sound attenuation and you know, they paid for it. Um and so they're they were trying to to um go after us for a private nuisance action. And uh, we were able to, after quite a bit of time, uh, get to an agreement with them. And, and I'm very happy that we were able to do that. I, I believe they're very happy with it. There's just kind of a nice kumbaya moment here um, where where two businesses that really ought to be working together, you know, found a way to to, to get to that that place. So um, it's, it's nice to have um, a nice, big, beautiful hotel nearby. I mean, they're, they're advertising that they're steps away from live music. We are that live music, and we love the idea that our patrons have uh, from out of town have a place to stay nearby, and it's good that we're working together. The, the result of the lawsuit uh, being settled um, is that we have a private regulation regime now in place, and the Weston is coming out of pocket to purchase uh, a very nice, uh, expensive sound system that's new to North America. Ours will be the first one permanently installed in North America. It's called JBN Sound Ceiling, and what it is, uh, if you picture a, you know, basically a drop ceiling type um, product, but each one of those 
two by two panels has uh, eight speakers in it. So we've got um, an entire ceiling of speakers that are gonna go in and the very dumbed down science behind it is that um, by having a whole lot more smaller speakers and playing top down, you're able to control sound waves, particularly the, the longer sound waves, low frequency sound waves that are associated with bass. Um, and so we're having 768 speakers installed over maybe a 200 square foot area. Um, wow. This is roughly That's an incredible how big it is. Speakers. It is. It's a lot. Uh, and the, 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 the hope and the desire here, and, and you know, there was a lot of hand-wringing on both sides to determine, hey, is this going to work if we go down this path? They want, you know, teeth in a settlement agreement to make sure that they don't pay for something and then wind up with the same problem. We don't want to give up our property rights or, or be a guinea pig on something that doesn't work. So a lot of the work came in the form of, you know, scientific investigation um, and, and, and then practical application of, of, you know, is this thing going to work, going to demos, measuring sounds in a lot of different places um, over the course of a lot of time and and then um, and then arguing over what kind of private enforcement are we going to have um, you know they they said well hey if we're impacted you know by this new thing that we paid for that's your fault and we said well we don't know if it's going to be if we're impacting it or somebody else's so it's it's a fairly um, complex agreement, but in short, I'll just run through the through the basics of it. Um, you know, they have to pay essentially for all of the costs, which up to $125,000 plus $20,000 in maintenance for the design, purchase, install, structural engineering, and sealing over this um, sound ceiling. Um, so it's about 145 grand. They're they're looking at cutting checks on. And then we are also installing a sound measuring device at our property line, and they have one at their property line, and we have two different limits. Uh, one is 85 uh, decibels measured with what's called C weighting, which is a, uh, the way to measure more low-frequency bass uh, waves, uh, which is what is bothering them. And so if, if we are above their 85 decibel, C-weighted decibel limit at their property line, and at the exact same time, we are at above 90 decibels C-weighted at our property line, you know, that is, that is a violation of our agreement. Um, the idea being that if we violate one but not the other, there's no violation. If we violate theirs but not ours, then the noise may be coming from somewhere else. If we violate ours but not theirs, then they're not really impacted. Um, so, you know, there's no point in having a complaint if they're not impacted. But if we're above both, right. then uh, there, there's a violation. And, the, and then the violation, there's, there's a three or four step process, but essentially it's um, increasing monetary damages, and then if we have too many of them in, in a period, uh, then uh, they can, we, we voluntarily uh, agree to a permanent injunction against our outdoor music permit. So it's, it's a strong, you know, it's a strong private enforcement mechanism for them. Um, it's a huge upgrade and solution 
for our venue, um, and it's it's actually uh, about about double in terms of dollar figures what what we we initially sought to get to get out of them uh, before they sued us. Uh, so we feel feel pretty good about it, um, and I, I think they just um, didn't know what to do and, and felt like they didn't know where to turn and, and so uh, their attorney probably convinced them that hey I'll handle this and get them to 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 comply you know very quickly and I don't think they realized that you know it, it, there's general counsel involved um, in, with the capital partner and, and so I think that slowed things down and then then they were able to take a, a more reasonable look at it but um, the good news is um, management's been really friendly and um, they're working together uh, and and um, you know, probably going to do some some joint marketing and, and really turn this into, you know, a, a good partnership, which is really what it yeah. should have been from the start. Well, that's thanks for sharing that all with us. You know, not not all the time you get the details of the resolution of a lawsuit like that. So really appreciate it. I really like a couple things that happened here. I really like um, the way that you you shaped the story and. Um, Raul is actually bringing this up right before we talked, but uh, I'll just say it because uh, <laughs> I'm talking. But I uh, appreciate Raul giving the idea here. But you you crafted the story and you got ahead of it from the start, and so you pitted it. And you know, one of the things we do here in litigation is you're always telling a story about your side of the case. And what you did was you you ran out and you garnered public support. You started talking to the other restaurants and bars, entertainment. Uh, companies on the street and said, you know, if, they, if the Weston can push us around, they're going to be able to push everyone around. And you just pitted it against as the uh, the corporate giant, the Weston versus uh, the little guy. And you got, you know, you, that was your first play was to uh, to garner public support. Educating the public. And, yeah, turn it into a thing. Because if it had just been, you know, a closed, quiet file in the courtroom, uh, it would have been dollars and dollars, legal dollars versus legal dollars, and uh, a big battle. And I thought that that was uh, smart to uh, blow it out and make it a, a battle of public opinion. Yeah, I, I I probably got a little bit lucky to start off with that. You know, our, our training as attorneys, especially, um, you know, my early training as, as a litigator in controversy, you know, in tax controversy and other things, and I'm sure you guys are similar, you know, confidentiality is, is crucial, right? I mean, we, we have privileged information and, and confidential information. I think I think that uh, a lot of attorneys, myself included, especially when we're young, we're, we're beat into um, uh, a form where, you know, not only do we keep those things confidential that, that have to be that, uh, ethically and legally, but but because of that, we wind up keep it, keeping things confidential that aren't really confidential. That might be to our clients' benefit uh, if they're if they're given the light of day. And um, you know, secrecy for secrecy's sake uh, doesn't always make sense. So um, it it was a little bit against my nature to uh, you know run to the press to hand over communications that I'd had in writing. Uh, with opposing counsel that contradicted what he was saying in the press um, and and really really put a lot of pressure uh, I think um, on on the Westin and, and uh, really showed the public really what was going on here 
Um, and then, you know, beyond that, I, I was able to uh, get get in front of and, and talk alongside our, our mayor here, Steve Adler, who's uh, just an ex- extremely friendly uh, guy and, and accessible mayor. Um, and and his music office, uh, you know, did everything they could to, to kind of move this along and 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 not bow to really any side, you know, make sure that property rights are being respected, but that, you know, you know, we have a, we have a music office in in the city of Austin, which is, I think a fairly rare thing. And, you know, it's their job to kind of moderate and mediate some of these, um, these disputes along with, with, uh, you know, drive some of the enforcement mechanisms if, if it needs to be there. So, you know, we had, um, a lot of work from them, you know, them kind of playing referee at, at times saying we need to turn it down a little bit, but that we aren't, we aren't over the limit and this and that and the other. So um, it took a little getting used to, to, to be operating in that public forum, but I think there's no question about it, that it, it had a positive effect for, for, um, for our venture here. The other thing that I was thinking about is it's unique and uh, should be strived for more often is people often view negotiations as just a, it's all you know a two-player game, and a there's only a certain amount of value to be exchanged, which is money. But a creative negotiation can identify other aspects of value, which you did in this case, which is maybe we just solve the problem rather than nuisance. Normally, a private action for nuisance would be you've damaged my property by what you're doing on yours that's spilling over onto mine, and now you owe me money for the reduction value of my property. But here what you did is you just tried to address the problem, which alleviates the alleged diminution in value of the property by um, trying to come up with a new sound system, which is just a really creative problem solving. And, um, and so kudos to you for coming up with a creative solution rather than just you pay me money and we both go about our business. You guys figured out a way to work together. One thing I was just going to ask you, though, is um, is the sound system of a greater quality that you guys can market it to uh, to artists that want to play there or to, or to customers? It, it absolutely is. And, and just to touch on what you were saying, yeah, I, I wish I could claim I, I know so much about um, sound systems uh, worldwide that this was entirely my idea. Far from it. Um, you know, it was the Austin City Music Office, a guy named uh, David Murray, um, who really inserted himself early uh, and often, and, and you know kept um, kept barking dogs on both sides at bay um, uh, more than once, and, and was really solution oriented. And um, you know, I really didn't think this uh, technology was going to work. Frankly, you know, I I, I did the traditional thing. And I said that doesn't doesn't sound like it's going to work to me. And um, uh, where are we going to even hear this thing? Well, you know, they they really got out ahead of it. Uh, they contacted the company. The company came over here. They did a bunch of demos, um, set up uh, lots of measurements, so we could see that see the impact, hear it, feel it, um, and and really bring it to us. Um, so first off, you know, it really takes experts in the field to know what's possible, and I think it, it pays it pays to kind of get them involved and, and learn these things um, because you can't be you can't be an expert about every factual scenario. Um, so you need to need to get people involved who are, and then, yeah, the firsthand uh, having gone to a few of these demos and, and heard the thing, um, and heard a, a traditional 
a traditional uh, lateral sound system versus this top-down JBN system. Um, it, it is actually an improvement. Uh, the sound, the, the music is clearer. Um, you know, one thing that uh, audiophiles will will tell you is, you know, they want music to be really loud, but they want it to be clear and not hurt your ears, even at that loud volume, such that even if we're being inundated with with decibels, if I'm standing next to you, I, you can still hear me talk and I can hear you talk. You know, we've all been at that that um, you know PA system where you can't hear anything, even you know you're shouting into the other person's ear. You know, that's that's bad audio. Um, but if things are well balanced, you know, if you don't have a whole lot of ricocheting, um, and if you have good quality good quality audio, you, it can be really, really quite loud, um, and yet you, you can still talk to someone who's right next to you um, because you're not, you're not getting all this interference. You're getting what you're supposed to hear. And so that top-down technology, that's one of the reasons why it's, you know, about 10 times more expensive than a traditional system is because it has a lot more speakers, and it's, it's just essentially more precise. Um, and and so we're we're pretty excited to be... You know, the first venue to have it, not just in Austin, not just in Texas, but in, in all of North America. And, you know, we are an outdoor venue. Uh, for the most part, there's a few areas that are covered, but it'll be, you know, it'll kind of give a, a new a new look to the place, which is, is always good in the nightlife industry. And then, you know, it's, it's, I think people are going to be clamoring to try it out and check it out. And, and uh, even without the press that we've gotten on, on the Western um, litigation, you know, it's it's a unique asset um, for for the for the music community here. So we're looking forward to, to getting it in, and, and it's going to be a little bit of a process. Um, you know, there's some structural engineering that we've already done, and we just actually received the system itself from overseas today. Um, so that's sitting in a warehouse as of today, and, and there's, you know, a full construction team that has to go in, and, and plans are with the city of Austin, and, and hopefully being pushed through. Hopefully they're listening and, and red stamping it right now. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's a big project, but it'll be really cool once it gets in there, and uh, can't wait to, to unveil it for everybody. One of the one of the things that sticks out to me in, in listening to how you came up with a solution to the, the issue that you had um, is kind of like the evolving role of legal counsel. And it's, it's not just you, you know, thinking in, in the kind of the traditional box that a lawyer um, thinks of. You had to, you had to do kind of put on a couple different hats here. I mean, you had to put on a public relations hat, you had to put on a, a music engineering hat with the help of um, with the help of your experts uh, and I think it speaks to what, you know, a lot of us when we counsel clients or in any situation, you can't just necessarily think in the same way that you think of every problem. It's not just because I think you were going, I think you said that you were initially thinking like, you know, no, this isn't a solution, but then you kind of expand your, your mindset a little bit and you can come up with a creative solution for your client, which is when you read in, you know, every attorney website and we come up with creative solutions, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a prime example of coming up with a creative solution, turning an adversarial situation into a partnership. Yeah, and to tag along with that, uh, great point, Raul. It's just a lot of lawyers will just put their head down and like, all right, we got to get through motion practice, and then we got to do discovery, and then we got to start preparing a trial. And it's two years of litigation before they realize that the bill is $80,000 on their legal fees. 
They haven't solved the problem for the client. Uh, they're looking at a trial, which is a 50-50 proposition and another 20 grand in legal fees. And, you know, it's either win or lose. And then maybe they start talking settlement with the other side, which is simply an exchange of money. Um, whereas here, you guys from from jump, we're trying to think of a different solution and, and you have one. I mean, from the Weston's perspective, uh, all right, so we have to pay X amount of dollars for this sound system, but either it works and our problem is resolved or, and we now have a business that we're working in partnership with, we can uh, promote that we're right next to this business so with this unique first in its one of its kind in North America sound system and that you know, maybe you guys can do promotions together where you can get them in the door without a cover. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. But at least you have, so the Weston's like either it works and I now have a business partner and something unique to advertise to my uh, potential guests, or it doesn't work and I've instituted this private right of action and now I don't have to worry about the legal system and I have an agreement with them that if it doesn't work, uh, they have to stop it and they have to shut it down. So from them, they have... You know they're paying for it so they have some good outcomes and then for you guys one you don't have to pay the legal fills legal bills you don't have to pay for this expensive extraordinary sound system which is a you know a marketing component to both the artists that want to come play there and the customers and um, you now have a partnership with uh, the Weston who might be able to filter some guests to you to you guys as customers I mean it's you don't you don't actually see a win-win that often. Yeah, and you both yeah, it looks like you both work together to keep keep Austin weird. Um, yeah, that's exactly. The most part. You kept Austin, Austin weird. weird. Yeah, it's not Austin's not going to be normal now. So. I mean, does Portland yeah, have rights on keeping, on keeping? Does Portland have rights on keeping the city weird, or does Austin have rights on that? I I, I don't know. Um, I, I know we have the high moral ground on weirdness here. I'm quite sure of it. Um, the, the legal right, I'm not not quite so clear on, but um, yeah, you guys are right. I mean, it, it's I think it's really imperative that um, attorneys think of themselves as an extension of their client, not just someone, you know, um, you know, in the courtroom battling. But if you realizing what their needs are, right? You know, it's not just to to win this motion or to to stay in their lane, they really have to figure out what the best solution is for them um, holistically. And, you know, that's easy, easier for me in this case, because, you know, I'm, I'm part of the business. So I, I see the bottom line here. Um, and, you know, even even though we were complying with the, the law uh, pre-settlement, you know, it, it impacts our business, you know, so um, were we underneath the, the decibel level that, that we're allowed to be under? Yeah. But do I want to be? No, every bar there turns the music up louder than is technically allowed. And then if they go way over, then guess what? Enforcement starts happening because of this this proximity. Um, you know, there were, you know, 50, 60 calls, um, you know, every quarter to uh, APD to try to crack down, whether we were over the limit or not. And so what that forces you do, to do is to be overly compliant with the limit where nobody else is. Now we're, now we're competing with bars not unequal. An unequal playing field. So it wasn't just that you know everything was hunky dory with us under the current regulatory regime. Um, you know it wasn't. Um, you know it, 
you know, having having cops being called on your bar, even when you don't wind up getting any tickets or anything, you know, people don't want to drink and listen to music while they're looking at at um, the police right outside the door. It, it's not a great look for for any any business, relaxing. much less a nightlife establishment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so it's it's just uh, it's one of those things where. You know those details matter. You know um, the the bar managers uh, having to to talk to the police three or four nights a week, explain the ongoing situation, have them talk. You know, give them the number to somebody at City of Austin who may or may not be there to, to answer to to explain that no, they are in compliance, or yeah, you know, here's how you measure. No, you aren't actually getting the law right. You know, police who have a job to do with a lot of drunk people around at one in the morning on a Friday are not all that concerned with the nuances of, of noise ordinances. Um, you know, they just want to tick the box on the complaint and they either want to say, yes, it's valid or no, it's not. And, and, you know, that's, that's where some of these, these, uh, these things were really making life difficult for us. And on the other side, obviously, you know, the Weston wasn't, wasn't happy with, with how much they were being impacted, you know, a fairly large percentage of their rooms, uh, they considered uh, uh, unbookable um, three or four nights a week. So, um, and that's that's a huge investment. Those those empty those empty keys. So it it really worked out great. I think it worked out great for everybody. We still have a lot of work to do. Um, part of the settlement agreement is that we we get this thing uh, installed and get it installed in a timely manner. Um, I don't think there's any chance we won't get that done. But um, you know we don't get the benefit of their payments. Uh, if we go past a certain date, um, uh, end of January next year, I, I actually think we're going to be able to get this in in about a month and a half, two months max. But um, you know, their point is, if, if you take forever, you know, we don't, we want some certainty. Um, and then, and then we've got to, you know, calibrate the system. Um, we've provided for a week where um, some sound experts come in and really dial it in, so we know, hey, this is as high as we can go without causing violations. You know, it's kind of like getting in a getting a new car and not not knowing how fast off the line you're going to go and then getting a speeding ticket. So we're trying to so we've got that built in and so it's going to be an ongoing working relationship with the West End um going forward. Um and uh you know there's provisions to check the sound measuring devices, to make sure they're operating correctly and and things like that. So it's actually I think going to be a, a really great thing um and the, the cooperation so far is only going to lead to more cooperation throughout this this build out process. And then, um, and then throughout. So, you know, we're looking forward to to getting it in there, hearing it, and and you know, it's, you know, starting to cross promote, and and hopefully people uh, are excited by the the new sound product. I I for one can't wait to go check it out. <laughs> excellent, excellent. You guys can can come down. We'll uh, we'll show you all around town and show you how much better our sound is. Fantastic. Well, Colin, uh, thanks for coming back on. I'll let you get back to your your law firm and your uh, investment business and your real estate development business. And I'm sure you have a lot. I'm sure you have something to do with one of those three. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. But uh, you guys, you guys uh, really uh, make it fun to come on here. And uh, uh, thanks for letting me tell our story here. And and uh, just as a final point, the other thing that's kind of interesting is normally. You don't get you don't get these things. Um, they never see the light of day. Uh, the confidentiality uh, is just almost like a rote 
term these days. And again, it's that secrecy for secrecy's sake. Well, you know, this is a good a good news story for both of us. Um, so we had confidentiality confidentiality in the agreement, and then you know, as we were finalizing things and and um, you know, things started to look like they were going to get dismissed in court. You know, media started popping up their head and. And we mutually decided it was in everybody's best interest to waive that term so that we could all talk about it publicly, confidently, and and uh, let everybody know that it was a positive resol- resolution for everyone. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. I meant to say that. I should also point out that there's been joint uh, press releases on on the uh, the terms of the settlement. So it's all out in the open, and, but we appreciate getting the, the insider scoop and the, the detailed explanation. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Colin. Excellent, Colin. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guest's individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to, for use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.